This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. I really, uh, if you haven't watched this series, if this is your first time here, excuse the PSA, is that, yeah, public service announcement, if you haven't watched this series, The Chosen, I want to encourage you to watch it. It's free on Netflix. I guess that means it's not free. (laughs) I guess that means it, well, you can watch it for free on YouTube, which also isn't free because you had to pay for the internet. But anyways, you get the gist. Uh, You can watch three seasons on this. And my prayer for this as we uh, launched this season in September is that you would get a new reimagination for the person of Jesus. I mean, we're purposely singing a lot about Jesus right now because in fact, in fact, we are people. We, we are not just people of the book. We are people of the person. Jesus himself has transformed our lives. And, and the best thing that any of us can do is to get a fresh reimagination for the person of Jesus. And this is not something like, okay, so the Sunday school rule, when you'd go to Sunday school and you'd say to people like, what's the right answer? The answer is always Jesus, right? To every answer, like... What can you pray for? Jesus. It's just a, uh, this is not, I'm not talking about Sunday school, like the pat answer to all your problems is Jesus. I know we sang about that this morning, and I, I just thought as we were singing it, I, lo- I love that song that we're singing, that we're going to speak Jesus over our lives. This does not make life uncomplicated, by the way, because some of you have spoken Jesus, and you walk out of here and still feel depressed, and you think, what? why didn't Jesus show up? Where, where are you? But we continue to speak the name of Jesus because we know this. Listen, as a church, I just want to just state this just for the record, just in case you didn't. If you've got, if you've got mental health issues or health issues, maybe you got a diagnosis from the doctor this week, we are not a church that, does not, that just says forget about medicine, just say Jesus. Okay, because there are, there are places that we actually believe Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels, was a physician. We know that Jesus says medicine is a gift from God. Many of you are physicians, doctors, nurses here. That's a gift from God. But that does not negate. So to every part of truth, there's a pendulum, right? So we can sit on this side that says that we just, all, all we do is speak Jesus, throw all your drugs down the toilet. Uh, and that's not biblical. Conversely, what is not biblical is what we would say is all we do, we we don't speak the name of Jesus and believe for miracles at all. We must believe for miracles. So if I get a diagnosis, listen, I've had God's, I've had doctors say things about my own body. Tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm going to listen to them. Yes, I will be an obedient patient. Relatively so, because I'm relatively obedient. Um... (laughs) I just said that for those of you that know me, that I can't really, relatively. But I'm also going to believe God for a miracle. I'm also going to stand in faith and ask God for a miracle. Because I recognize this, that what is here is not, like if you've ever felt like what is here in your life is not enough, that's the yearning from God. Say that, listen, your marriage is in trouble. You, You need to get yourself to marriage therapy. You need to go get a good counselor that loves Jesus. But also, you must speak the name of Jesus over that marriage and over that. You, you must believe in faith that Jesus, God incarnate, can come and do a miracle in your life. And this is the kind of faith that we must live by. And this is what I'm hoping. 
when we talk about the Gospels and we read it, that you would get re-energized to the person of Jesus. I, I pray that you're reading the Bible along with us. If you're not reading the Bible along with us, go to our website. You can click on and read along with us. I, I pray that you would be reinvigorated to the person of Jesus. Because this is what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means to be a Christ follower. And to be a Christ follower means that every day I get up and say, Jesus, would you reveal something new of yourself to me? And God can do that. Dave and I were talking early this morning when we were reading our Bibles, and we were, he, Dave was saying to me, I just, I just had never seen this in, we were reading the book of John. It's just such a good reminder to us. It doesn't matter if you've read it 400 times. The Bible is always speaking to us because the Bible tells us that it, Jesus is the word speaking to us, reengaging us, reinvigorating us to his person. And I, I, listen, I'm praying in this series, if anything else, that you just get, man, God could speak to me every day when I get up and read his word. He can, he can actually refashion me, refocus me. Okay, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9 today, the calling of Matthew. If you've watched the series, it's one of the best, uh, it's one of the best scenes. And I'm really excited at the end, we'll watch this, the scene from the show. But let's read it, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, I want to make a few observations about this text. Um, this is quite a famous text because it really, it really breaks down the idea that Jesus was coming to call really super religious people, people who had all their golden stars in a row. Uh, but, and, and it does, in fact, do that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But it does, this passage is actually uh, talking about way more than that uh, as you get into it. So I, I want to get into it this morning. I, I want you to see in this passage that when Jesus calls, he exposes, our, he calls us to community and he exposes our biases. This is part of the Jesus way. So I suppose when we think about Jesus calling the disciples, we think about him calling individuals. But in fact, when you, when you really look at the text, you realize that Jesus was calling full communities to himself. Jesus never just called you. He did call you. He loves you personally. But he also calls us to community, in community. It's why uh, when people come to Jesus, like whole communities come. Do you ever notice that? I, I noticed this because for 25 years I've been a pastor. And I noticed that when one person from a culture comes, all of a sudden a whole bunch, the food gets way better right away. Uh, this, is, this is the nature of Jesus. He calls us into community. When Jesus called Matthew the tax collector, he was calling Matthew, but in fact, he was saying to all tax collectors, I'm calling all of you. It, it, was, a, it was a point. Now, now the thing is, um, tax collectors were awful. Uh, we know this because the Bible tells us this, but also when you read antiquity, when you read history, you recognize that tax collectors... Um, Whenever a big governing body like the Roman Empire came in, they would um, have these people that were actually called tax farmers. I'm a farmer, a tax farmer. Oh, we have those right now too. Um, and uh, they would they would hire 
Jewish people, and they were hated by everybody because um, they would have taxes for everything. Like we think we're taxed. Think about this. In Rome, um, you were taxed for like going over a bridge. Um, You were taxed when you went into a harbor. You were taxed when you entered a market. You were taxed when you uh, went down a wall. You were taxed for everything. Like you breathed and you were taxed. We probably are too, but it just comes out at one time and we don't see it, so it's not as bad. They actually had to grab out of their their money. And and, and they they lied too because it's not because they were inherently bad. It's because as humans, we're kind of like this. Like They were called publicans and publicans were allowed to set the tax. Can you imagine if you were allowed to set the tax? Now, I know this a little bit about my kids, because my kids do this. If you, um, like, sometimes they'll rent things to each other. (laughs) And they set the price. They're the owner of it. So, like, you want to wear that? That's fine. It'll be, I think a fair price would be $17. (laughs) As humans, we do weird stuff. Like, okay, so if the tax collectors were, like, setting their own prices all the time, and you know it's so mad. You know it's so maddening. I've told you about this before. Uh, my $7 and $50 drink, $7 and $50 drink at the airport, I told you about that, and I'm still, I'm still bitter about it. <sighs> it's because at an airport, they can just go, you know what, that's $3. That should be $7 at an airport. Can we just have a discussion about this for a second? Why? Why, when you get into airport space, if you work at the airport, we love you. I'm sorry. This is a deep question of mine. Maybe we can discuss it at Alpha this week. Why on earth is everything so expensive? So anyways, tax collectors, they were not, they were like, they were uh, hated is a, is a um, rabbis put tax collectors and murderers in the same category. You weren't, uh, they, were, they were called unclean. You couldn't come, so if you were a Jewish person and you got near a tax collector, you actually had to go through a, a ritual process of cleansing yourself. This is because they were near Gentiles and they were taking money. Most Jewish people saw them as traitors, traitors to the Roman Empire. Sounds fairly Star Wars-like. And Matthew was called. Now, if that was the end of the story, what I could stand up here and say Jesus loves tax collectors. If you're a tax collector in a cheek, come on forward. Jesus wants you. We probably wouldn't have a good, good response. But, uh, but, that, but this is not actually all that's going on. The writer of the scripture wanted you to see here and understand when you read the rest of the book of Matthew is that it wasn't just tax collectors that was call, were called. Simon Peter was a zealot. Now, I know we sometimes read this and we think, okay, I'm like, whatever, zealot, you had to have some kind of a name in Bible days. You wore a robe and had a name. But this is not true. Zealots were people who wanted to kill tax collectors. Like, in fact, killing a tax collector wasn't really considered situational. It was like situational ethics. Like, you know, it's bad, but not that bad because it was a tax collector. And uh, zealots were people that wanted to overthrow the Roman government. They believed that that doing anything the Roman government asked you to do was actually disobeying God and and was putting them into sin. That when you did something that the government asked you to do or you signed some document or you paid a tax, 
that you were actually disobeying God. <laughs> so I want you to think about Jesus' plan for a minute now to create a gang. Okay, 12 friends. If you're going to create a group, imagine you're going on a trip with 12 of your closest friends. You are not picking two people who are diametrically opposed. You're not picking the person that wants to kill the other person. Now, now the thing is, that's weird about this, is like, I think we sometimes, when we read scripture, and this is part of our learning, must become part of our learning in scripture. We think Jesus called Simon Peter, and then he just, he walked on water. Praise God. Peter called. Jesus called Matthew. He didn't want to exploit anybody anymore. He was just like, we, they became perfect. Except for we know right until the time Jesus died, Simon Peter was still a zealot. He was cutting people's ears off. Okay, so the process, your process of sanctification, sanctification is a theological word that says Jesus is making you more like him. It takes time. And it took time for the disciples. So I want you just for a minute... Think you can be either the publican, you can be the tax collector, or the zealot. Most of you are going to pick zealot because that seems more <laughs> spiritual. Okay, but imagine you're called to Jesus, and Jesus calls Matthew. You would be made to feel uncomfortable. So then, I want you to put it in the context of Jesus standing up and saying things like this: "Love your enemies." Do good to those who harm you. All of a sudden, this is not just ethereal, like, love your... This is actually the plan Jesus had. He was speaking to this... Who was he speaking to? Simon and Matthew at this point in time. He's speaking to thousands of people, but he's speaking to Simon and Matthew. Because Simon's thought about how much he wanted to kill Matthew. Like, what kind of a traitor are you to God? And you know Simon's thinking, I can't believe you picked this guy, like... And Matthew is aware. Do you know when people, you're aware that someone doesn't like you? But the person who doesn't like you is trying to not let you know that they don't like you? But in fact, you know they don't like you. It's so awkward, such an awkward feeling. Like, get me out of here. I know you don't like me. You know this is exactly how Matthew would have felt. He's like wandering around with all the, and the chosen does such a great job of depicting this. I'd never really, really thought about it before, how awkward that would be. But Jesus, when he was calling the disciples, was telling us what kind of a kingdom he was building. This was not just by accident or for fun or to make drama. He was telling us what kind of a kingdom he was building. He was telling us that his words were actually going to confront the inner parts of us. The parts of us that like, are not comfortable with certain kinds of people or certain kinds of things. And we get nervous about it and we think, ah. So sometimes people will say to me, well, like I've tried going to churches, but like I really can't find anybody like myself there. There's nobody like me. Great. You're basically like in the disciple. If there's nobody like you here, everybody gets on your nerves. Wonderful. You, you could be Simon Peter today. <laughs> this is the amazing thing about church. It, it, it's God's design. Community is his intention. We should, we should have our biases confronted. 
It should not be that we are just with 29 people that are just like us, think the same thing as us, have the same politics as us, spend the money the same way as us, worship in the same way as us. Our, our biases must be confronted. And this is what actually causes, friction is what actually causes growth, what causes a sharpening. And this is where we'll contend for an intergenerational church where we have uh, older people and younger people just sort of, I know it's lovely. I'm speaking about this where we don't have, we're going to speak about it now so that later when there are, you know, some frictions, we just say, oh, this is what we signed up for. Great. Oh, there's conflict. Praise God. We're looking like the disciples, everyone. The thing is, Jesus' teachings have to confront us. If you can read the Sermon on the Mount and go, wow, it's just so great being a Christian. It's so easy. Victory in Jesus. Uh, this isn't what they're meant to do. Jesus' teachings, he was a rabbi. The whole, the whole uh, genre of being a rabbi was to confront, to confound. We need each other. We need each other, and we need the teaching of Jesus to confront us. Okay, so here's the question I have for you on this. Have my, how have my biases been confronted by the community of Christians? What's been confronted? What, what, what conversation have you had in the last little bit that made you go, ah, I feel a bit uncomfortable about that? And it could be on either side. You might be Simon or you might be Matthew. This is the way Jesus set up his community. Isn't this amazing that when you see this in the gospel, he wasn't just choosing 12 people. He was telling us how he was going to build his church. Now, for sure, Matthew, uh, Matthew became changed. We all become changed in the presence of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we all become the same. And right away, it's not like you say yes to Jesus and then the next day you're perfect. I know a lot of you, so I know it's not true, and you know me, so it's not true. Now, he is conforming us into his image. Yes, yes. That's why as you mature, it becomes easier. And so we just keep maturing together. Okay, here's the other thing I want you to see. It, it, does, it does require a bit of discomfort, though. Second thing, our, our call to Jesus is um, a heart-tethering, not rule-following. Okay, so in verse 12, this is... Uh, sort of a famous saying that Jesus said on hearing this when everyone's getting mad at Jesus for eating with the tax, cluster, tax collectors. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then verse 13 is sort of like a verse that I think a lot of us read and go, hmm, Jesus loved saying poetry. He's just such a poet. And we don't actually uh, dig into it. And today I want to dig into it because it's really important. Verse 13 says, uh, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Why did Jesus connect, it's not the healthy you need a sick a doctor, but the sick. And this verse, this verse is actually found in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. We just go to that next slide. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Why is he saying this to people? This is what you have to do when you're in the text. You must ask yourself questions like, why is this here? 
To ask questions will actually bring you to deeper learning. What you need to know here is that the word mercy, for I desire mercy, is the word hesed. The word hesed is found 248 times in the Old Testament. Most theologians say that hesed is the main theological concept in the Old Testament. And it is the idea that God is calling, God actually brings us his hesed, his covenantal love with us. It's the opposite of religion, like rules. It, it, all throughout the Old, Te Old Testament, God's saying, I, I want to show you my hesed. And then there's this other word that says, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. The word acknowledgement, now when we think of the word acknowledgement, like when you acknowledge somebody, you just, like oftentimes my teenagers, I have to say, like you have to acknowledge when people come in our house, you have to say, hello, yes, wake up, it's the middle of the day. Okay, so that's how we think about acknowledgement, but the word acknowledgement here is the word yada. And the word yada means to know with your heart. It's actually a feeling, it's an emotion. <laughs> so what God is saying here is that, listen, all of your rule following, all of your doing the right things, this is not what I'm looking for in the first place. What I'm looking for is hesed, a covenantal relationship, you to me that says no matter what happens, I'm going to follow you with all my heart. God, the, the word hesed really means like a deep love. There's no English word to really um, understand it, but it, suffice to say it's covenantal love though. Covenantal love is love that says I will not quit when things get hard. This is why when people get married, we say that they're making a covenant to one another. And richer, poorer, and sickness and health, it's a covenant. It's a deep, deep promise to one another. And God says, what I'm looking for is covenantal love with you. And I'm not just looking that you would acknowledge me. I'm looking that the feeling of love that you have for me would grow. Now, this changes everything about how we think about we follow, how we follow God. God is not interested in you doing X, Y, Z, A to Z, all the rules. He's more interested in your heart. He's more interested in yada, this idea that God is our Abba Father, that there is an emotion tied to this. I got to thinking about this this week. How do we grow our yada, our hesed for God? Like, how do you think about somebody that you love? How do you learn to love them more? That's a hard question, right? Because feelings, our, our society tells us that, like, um, the heart wants what the heart wants. Like, whatever you feel, that's what you are. Like, and so when it comes to things like this, Jesus calling Matthew, who was broken down, hadn't followed any of the rules. He cheated people, wrecked people's lives. Because, by the way, the publicans wrecked people's lives. They weren't just cheating you out of an extra two bucks or, like, asking you for a tip at a drive through They destroyed people's lives, put you under, bankrupt you. And God said... I, I, what I'm not concerned about, Matthew's going to learn the rules. What I'm looking for is heart connection to me. How do we grow heart connection for God? And the only way scripture tells us that we grow heart connection 
to God is through worship. It's the only way. Now, I know that we think about worship as like, um, by the way, this is why we sing at the beginning of our song, at the beginning, because the only way you can grow heart connection to God is to open up your heart in worship. We must grow in our ability to worship God. Now, I don't have any belief that the only way we can worship is through songs, but we do know one of the great ways we can worship is through singing, through God gave us a voice and we sing worship to God. Some of us have a hard time, like, you're hearing me say this and you're thinking, like, I don't, like, I, I like, I want to do the right things, but I don't know if I really love God. I remember being a young adult thinking this, like, I want people to think I'm good, but, like, I don't know if I really love God. Like, I don't know if I have, the only thing that grew my heart connection to God was to get into the quiet place and learn to worship him. I've told you this before when I was probably 20. I, I uh, cleared out. I lived in, a, in a, lived in a very fancy brownstone. It was not downtown Minneapolis that was infested by rats and mice. It was gross. Um, but what I did decide is that my heart connection with I wasn't satisfied with just living as like a, a nice Christian person. I wanted a heart connection with God. So I... Um, got rid of a bunch of weird boxes in my basement. I don't know, I just smacked up a few things on the wall. It wasn't fancy. I wasn't a great musician. I wasn't down there doing like runs. I was just play the same four songs every day because I could only afford four songs on my iPod. No, it actually was a CD. iPods didn't even exist. (laughs) I I just began to say, God, would you like... I want to love you. I want to talk about loving you. I want to love you. And the only way that my love for God grew is I would sit in this silly little room and kind of have one eye open for mice going on my feet. I would lift my hands like this to God. Now, I don't think God, God, listen, if you're not a person who raises your hand, God doesn't love you less. I just knew that my whole body, like, Oftentimes, my mouth, my body gets me in trouble, so my whole body has to be surrendered to. Some of you are good. You don't have the same problems I do, so I just began to say, God, like, in the quiet place, I want to worship you, not just when everybody can see me. And somehow, I mean, I wish I could tell, somehow this grew a love for God. Some of you are here, and you... um, in some ways, you can't understand the scripture. I desire hesed. I desire yada. You, like, it feels like... I, I used to walk with somebody who was like... Um, she was an editor of a very large newspaper. And she made a decision for Jesus, but then she would come and sit on the front row with me at church. And she would um, say things that church people don't usually say, like, go get him, tiger, before I got up there to preach. <laughs> And she would ask me like really good questions that I think we actually, we have to learn from people that don't see, can't, we can't see the trees for the forest sometimes. So sometimes she would say, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like you have a relationship with God? What is that? Sounds creepy. She was like, my husband's coming this week. If you could maybe not use that lingo, like I think it'll really weird him out. And I realized that sometimes we say stuff like that and we don't, we don't actually know what we're talking, like because when, when somebody asks you about it, you're like, uh... Like, it's like, 
what it is is Hosea 6.6. 6. And this is, this is why we must study the scriptures. Hosea 6.6, 6, what I desire is mercy. What I desire is a covenantal relationship with you. A relationship that says, God, I'm never going to quit you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm like, I've given you all of my, and I'm not just going to acknowledge you. I'm going to love you with every part of my being. And this is what it means to have a relationship with God. I, I want to call each of us in this season. So we end this series this week. Next week, we're going to uh, begin a new series called the Messio Day of God. It's going to be great. But if we don't root ourselves in actually loving God, knowing him, having feelings towards God, that, like a growing feeling of love towards God, then we will miss the point and we will become Pharisees ourselves. How we are going to, how we are going to grow in our love for God, this is going to, how we are going to, and this is why it becomes easier then, you know, the warming center is going to start in four weeks, and, you know, we get all kinds of guests coming, and this is how it makes it easier for us, though, when we grow in our love for God. We just have to grow in our, it's not rocket science. Finally, let me um, just say this. God will use every part of us to work through us in ways we could never imagine. So Matthew, the publican, the tax collector that nobody liked, wrote the book of the Bible, Matthew, the book of Matthew. It is the New Testament uh, book that was written for Pharisees and zealots and Essenes, people that were all like down with you. Isn't that amazing that God used Matthew to do that? He could have used Luke, he could have used John, but instead he used... And partly, we know this, that uh, Matthew would have been a detailed person. And if you watch The Chosen, you'll know that this is true. They showed that they depict this very well. If you were a tax collector, you were good with money. You're good at collecting money, at least. God used him. You see the book of Matthew? And you can see all the details. And you know that because if you're not into genealogies, when you start your reading plan in the Bible and you start in Matthew chapter 1, it's a long genealogy. So God will use every part of you. What's cool about this story is that you can see that God likes us. He doesn't just love us. He likes us. He likes you. The things about you that make you unique. God put his finger on you and called you. What if God wants to use the things you love to show people himself? What if he wanted to use your love for cars or wings or details or finances to show the world that we can have this true relationship with him? He even wants to use your mistakes, the things that you have done that you, are not that you are ashamed of, that you hope nobody ever finds out about. God will use that too. He will use all of it for his glory. Let's watch this. Amazing. I, like, I, I just love that depiction. My question for all of us today is, uh, first of all, maybe you're here and Jesus has been calling you. You've been at your own tax collector booth, so to speak. You never said yes to him. I mean, at some point, we all have to make a decision. Jesus calls us. Just like Matthew, we all have the choice to say yes or no. I want to contend today, though, that saying yes to Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. Some of us, so and I, in, in a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity to make that choice. Some of us, though, are Peter in the crowd. 
We're like, what's going on? How come this person's here? That person's here. I can't understand this. And we're self-righteous and angry. And you only, by the way, this is a very hard thing to see in ourselves. Because thing is, it's easier to be Matthew. It's harder to be Peter. But this is what the scripture does. It confronts us. Confronts us. Some of us need to say, God, I, I repent. I repent. I've been Peter sometimes. I'm going to let you, allow you to confront my biases. Some of us are here, and um, maybe you're like I was. It's a young adult or young woman saying, God, I want to love you. I really want to love you. I'm praying that God would stir your heart today, open your heart. And even as we just worship here, just for a minute, I'm praying that God would um, stir you in a new way towards him. It's the only way that it can happen. Your heart only grows as you worship. Your heart doesn't grow any other way. It's just the way that God built us. We grow in love to God as we learn to worship him. You know, part of the way we worship, we actually worship God is by giving him our time. Many of you are here today. You've given God your time. I'm just going to pray that you would just, I know the tendency is just right at this minute, we have about four more minutes. Tendency is to be like, okay, next thing I'm going on to the next, because I know you have a million things to do this week. But what if right here and right now, you just say, God, this next five minutes, would you just open my heart to you so that I could match your chesed love for me? so that I could acknowledge you, that I could yada you. You would give me that, that in my heart. And you know what? When that happens, it changes everything. Reading our Bible becomes easy because we've grown in love for Jesus. Leaning into people who are not like us becomes easier. Walking through hard seasons. Some of you are in a really hard season. The best thing you can do is continue like Hosea 6 tells us. To acknowledge God. I just have you stand this morning. As we grow in our love for God, God then prods us to say, hey, I want to use that in your life. I want to use that in your, what's happening with you. And God might, might be speaking to you very clearly today. I have, a real, I have a real sense today, like, like somebody in this room today, God's called you to do something, and you know it. And yeah. You've been running from it because you think in some ways you're a bit like Matthew. You're not sure that you can do it. You're not sure that God would use somebody like you. When we say yes to God... God opens up doors that we couldn't even imagine. First step is to say yes. Say yes, God. Yes, yes. I'm coming out of my booth. Second step is to to believe God when he says, I've called you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to open up doors for you that you couldn't even imagine. Some of you have been running like you're on a treadmill, trying to run away from the call of God for whatever things And today, I'm just going to encourage you to just press stop on the treadmill and just say, God, I'm not running anymore. However you want to use me, here I am. God, I pray for your people today. May we grow in our chesed love for you. 
May we grow in our acknowledgement of you, God, not just to acknowledge, but to grow in our feeling for you. Because we know that that's what you desire. When our heart grows for you, God, then, then everything else gets in line. As we worship today, God, would you open up our eyes? Would you open up our ears? With a person today that has not said yes to you yet, God, I pray that you give them courage to come out from that tax booth today. May they hear your voice calling them, and may they say yes to you today. To the person that's far from you today feels like they don't really quite understand what it means to love you, I pray that you'd grow us in our love for you today. And may we be obedient to everything you've asked us to do in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.